Hey, would you like us to read a story of your choosing? Well, you're in luck. Head on over to superhumanregistrationpodcast.com and fill out the web form at the Contact Us link. If you submit a story there that is available to read on Marvel Unlimited, we will consider it for a future episode of the show. The world's not as simple as it used to be. It's not enough to be a good guy anymore. We have to be the best. The time has come. All will be accounted for. Or we will hunt them. Stand up. It's time to be the heroes we were always meant to be. Uh, I wanted to, hey, well, Stephen, as a fan of Broadway and think, what did you think of the, uh, what did you think of the Cats trailer? I have never been more excited for a movie in my entire life. Wow, I, mean, I just got really grossed out. that's putting it strongly. That's putting it strongly. So, here's Patrick Willems, YouTube guy that Aldo and I talk about a lot. He actually mm-hmm. did a video about his response to the Cats trailer. And his videos are, like, surprisingly high production. Like, sure. they're polished, they're well-rehearsed, well-performed, they've got good uh, lighting and everything. But anyway, his, his whole response was, I am so sick of the Hollywood blockbusters. I'm so sick of having just, like, the same glut of superhero movies and sci-fi action movies and all of that, that Cats, which is probably going to be bad is exciting to me just because of how weird and different it is from everything else we've gotten this year. And I 100% sympathize with that. I can I can understand that sympathy, yes. Like, let's have something new and different. And weird and potentially bad. <laughs> I'm okay with all of that. It looks awful. It does. And, 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 the, and the cast is great people who I like. And it looks awful. Oh, Great people who I like, and Jason Derulo. And Taylor Swift, who I actually do kind of like, but I've never wanted to see her act. See, my little sister is obsessed with her, and then, like, didn't like one of her albums, and then now she's back on board. And so it just, it just is, like, to me, it's just, you know, like, younger sibling noise of, like, ew, that's what you like. I don't (sighs) don't know. I'm, I'm actually really excited for Cats. I want to see it more than any other movie that's coming out for the rest of this year. Potentially even including Blinded by the Light, which looks pretty decent. I have a friend who recently came out as a furry, and uh, he rejects Cats. <laughs> that's what I heard, is that like... I was like, oh, I know who this movie is for, but then I see posts where people are like, furries actually don't want anything to do with this. And I'm like, well, I, who was it for then? The faces are them, wrong. The faces are bad. I, I sent them a trailer with with the with just like the the singular comment going like, they made this for your people. <laughs> and he was like, thanks, I hate it. <laughs> yeah. Well, it's yeah. kind of like sending a weeb, uh, like the the Dragon Ball Z live action trailer like they made it for you but nobody asked them for it yeah it's like when your grandma gets you a toy where it's like uh, you know like the knockoff nerf gun or like the the movie that's like the tv um tv movie slapped together really quickly that is cashing in on a big big name property or whatever oh so it's when she brings you transmorphers instead of transformers bingo there it is (laughs) Now, hold on. Now, is she? does she like Harry Potter? Oh, actually, if there's one thing that we can say Brittany is a geek about, it is Harry Potter. 
Yeah, the man, books. just get it, get it to Harry Potter World. The books, not the movies. We actually thought about going to Harry Potter World last year. Uh, it's fun. We wound up spending it's an extra fun. day in Disney World instead, which I'm glad we did. Yeah, Disney World. I mean, it's better. the 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 Harry Potter part of Universal is is amazing and like Disney level of like attention to detail and really fun. But yeah, Disney World is better. As as like a nerd who is still like a nerd of like something that isn't mainstream popular, but it's getting there. Anime, I hate Harry Potter on principle because <laughs> it is such a mainstream nerd thing, and everybody's like, "Haha, I'm such a nerd. What are you a nerd about? Oh, you know, Lord of the Rings, Harry Potter, Doctor Who, haha." The basic like white girl Tinder profile. <laughs> <laughs> oh gosh, it's funny because I've seen it. I know what you're talking yeah. about. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, you're not wrong, but we should also not gatekeep. Come on. <laughs> I showed Brittany a couple of episodes of Doctor Who the other day, because I was like, if there's any chance she's going to like this show, I'm going to show her The Girl in the Fireplace and yes. Vincent and the Doctor. Yes. And she's like, yeah, this show is not for me. Really? Those are like, my wife liked the Weeping Angels one. I mean... At this point, like, Brittany's seen, I think, four or five episodes of Doctor Who at this point. I, I We're not going to keep going with this, I don't think. My dude, I, I saw a whole season and I still don't like it. Here's the thing. The, the older I get, the less need I have for Doctor Who. That said, Vincent and the Doctor did make me cry. I think I start, I like that episode that's, more and more good, as time goes on. Such a good one. But if yeah. I, if, you know, I need someone who's a real fan of Doctor Who to k- kind of curate it for me. Or I needed to check, there's a great Tumblr called Skippable, and you can just find <laughs> something that you want to watch or read, and it'll tell you, skip these books in this book series, skip these episodes yeah. in this series, and you can find kind of like, what what's the essential must-watch. The only Ooh. thing I can say for like, classic Doctor Who, look for the Douglas Adams episodes. Right. Douglas Adams. I love Douglas Adams. Wrote a couple of episodes, and those are... Those are pretty interesting. You you still have to put up with like the really low production values and and that's kind of very like the very charm bad of it acting. Now. It is yeah. kind of charming, and even the new Doctor Who, like if you approach it with that mindset, it's a little bit better actually. They don't try to do too much, I think, because they're like, come on, like we can just put up some cardboard and people will still watch this. Speaking of trying to do too much, let's talk about every single Marvel comic ever written. Oh, hey. Look what, look what I got here in front of me. What a zinger! <laughs> Welcome to the Superhuman Registration Podcast, where we are recording for the first time in different time zones. <laughs> what? Why are you panting? <laughs> that's, 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 that's the sound I make when I get excited. <laughs> yes, Aldo is, Aldo is a dog. This whole time... He's just been two dogs in a trench coat this whole time. <laughs> on the on the internet, nobody knows you're a dog. <laughs> Actually, on the internet, it's pretty apparent when you're a dog. Those captchas really get you. <laughs> the captchas like click all the boxes that show a toilet, and the dog just clicks everything. <laughs> <laughs> I just imagine click all the boxes that have blue, and they're like, oh no, oh. <laughs> bamboozled again. <laughs> So, my name is Steven. I'm joined this evening by John and Aldo. Hey, guys. How you doing? Hey, hey. Howdy. Uh, some, days, some days as a parent are great. Most <laughs> days as a parent are great. Today was not one of those days. I don't have children or dogs. I only take care of my self-loathing. 
<laughs> so we are here to talk about a couple of, of comics that we picked to read. There's not really a theme today, so I guess let's just get into it. Why don't we start with the Avengers story? Figures. I had Domino pulled up in front of me. Okay. <laughs> we read Avengers. Um, issue, let me go to issue 19 through 22. And the year on these, my app just took me to the wrong one. These come from 1999. And uh, it's Ultron Unlimited is the story arc. Um, basically, there are some attacks um, some stuff going on with the Avengers. They're interrupted during a press conference, which was delightful to me. That they invited the press over. They uh, had an emergency, kicked the press out. They were very upset, and they had to get on with business. But uh, Ultron had retu- has returned. He kidnapped Hank Pym. He kidnapped anyone who had some prior connection to him um, in the first and second issues there. And completely destroyed an entire Eastern European country, which makes me sad because it's just a made-up place. Um, what did he call it? It's like Slovenia or something. Yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah. He wiped it out, killed every single person, put people at the border, and, and drew, the, drew the Avengers in. So the Avengers go in to take out Ultron, and they first... Well, first they fight um, Althena, who... Um, is what, Bride of Ultron? Is that is it Alchema? Alchema? Alchema. See, I don't have it in Alchema. front of me, and the names are escaping me at the moment. Alchemax? Alchemax. I mean, nailed it. I felt like this was a play on alchemy, you know. They take out Wife of Ultron <laughs> and subdue her. She says, I'm not interested in that clown. And then in the meantime, she's gathering a little army, and she gets herself escape. Uh, she gets herself out. She escapes, and she is kind of the dun 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 cliffhanger and hint of things to come later. But really, what happens is everyone comes to um, Kreblakistan, wherever we are. Um, <laughs> that's the made-up country from Doc, oh. from from uh, Austin Powers. I'm oh. sorry. I thought um, you were going to say fake stone. <laughs> Fake Estonia. Fake Estonia. No, Estonia is a real place, and I've been there. Well, I've touched the border. Uh, Lithuania actually was there for two days and one night, and it's a delightful place. Vilnius is a wonderful city. Um, wonderful people. And anyway, basically, we're dealing with Hank Pym. Hank Hank Pym is kind of confronted with you know the dark side of his nature because that's where Ultron comes from. The Avengers have to deal with an Ultron that. Is is too tough to beat because he's you know adamantium. Um, they all of the the people who have connections to Ultron, people who were used to create Ultron, Vision, who was created by Ultron, are all um, locked up, and he's using them, trying to create a new master race that is uh, derived from these people, his family, and uh, as he refers to them, um, but he wants them to be you know part part machine, mostly machine, just with that touch of, of humanity. Um, but the, he is defeated because their uh, Vision is able to get himself loose, outthink Ultron, outsmart Ultron. He's basically able to set up a Wi-Fi router and uh, sneak out <laughs> and uh, free Scarlet Witch, who's able to use her hex magic on him. And uh, Thor, you know, Thor's got a hammer. Even though Ultron becomes pretty powerful and is able to, you know, stop the hammer with his fist, that's that was a pretty cool moment. Um, eventually, they do prevail, like the Avengers do. Um, in the nick of time, sorry, I'm like way out of order because I was gonna just like 
have the issues in front of me as I summarized. I don't know what Justice's powers are. Uh, it's telekinesis is one of them, but apparently this guy Justice is sidelined because he has a broken leg, which if you are telekinetic, a broken leg should not stop you. Um, maybe it's just because <laughs> I watched Chronicle, and so telekinesis is now, in my mind, like like that's the coolest superpower. You can fly, you can do anything, um, just by the proper application of telekinesis. But anyway, he does some research on Ultron, shows up in the nick of time with an Arctic vibranium, the anti-metal confiscated from AIM. It emits a vibratory field, dissolving all metal it hits. I checked the records, triple-check them. It's never been tried against adamantium. I don't know if it'll work, but just give it here, Justice, and good work, says Hank Pym. And it does work, and they take out Ultron. Um, Hank Pym goes into a rage and beats him to death. And, um, yeah, they take out Ultron. Mrs. Ultron uh, lives to fight another day. But uh, it was pretty standard, uh, you know, story. I could see things that were lifted from this uh, for the movie. Um, It felt like at least, I don't know if this is one, definitely one of their source materials, but if not, they were dumb because there was a lot of stuff in here that felt familiar. Um, That was really my first exposure to Ultron. There were a couple of Avengers comics that I read, um, like post-Civil War, that had Ultron in them. It was, um, they, they basically tricked Ultron into taking out somebody else thinking like hey if if you don't take out this bad guy then you'll never be it was like time hopping and stuff but yeah this was i my my first problem with this is that like we get a lot of in the first couple issues a lot of narration and a lot of here's every other time we fought ultron and what happened and here's every other time we fought ultron and what happened in visions like i'll take over narrating and tells the story and that yeah. got less and less as the action picked up so uh, i liked this story the more i read it and i thought that the um you know other than that and that's more of something of the time um i thought that the writing was good um, I liked the character work. I liked the art for the most part. The facial expressions, not so much. Um, but yeah, pretty good. Pretty good. If you want to tell someone Ultra, what Ultron is all about, this would be a good way, uh, direction to point them. What did you guys think? So this is actually the second time I've read this. I picked it up a couple years ago and honestly wasn't too impressed the first time I read it. It was way more 90s than I was expecting. This time... Having already encountered it, I kind of just let myself relax and enjoy it more, and I did find myself enjoying it. Uh, I really like the artists. Uh, This is written by Kurt Busiek and art by George Perez. I like George Perez a lot. This is not my favorite uh, thing that he's ever done, but there are some things that I think are pretty exceptional. Like, he does take some risks with a lot of the, the panel layouts, Issue 21 yeah. has a great one. Issue 21, page page 7. This is another page where Ultron's just kind of like narrating a bunch of stuff. Visually, though, this panel's pretty interesting. Ultron himself is the white space in the middle of this giant red field. There are images of the, the androids that Ultron has created. Vision, Jocasta, and Alchema. And a lot of really intricate, detailed circuitry in a, in a panel, like, sliding down the, the side of the page. It's visually very interesting. I don't think it's necessarily the right... Well, I don't know that there is a good way to, to really do this much of an info dump in the middle of a comic, but they, they certainly make a good 
try of it. I like how yeah. detailed Perez gets, especially with characters' hair. Just flipping through and looking at all of the curls in Scarlet Witch and all of the the long flowing locks in Thor's head. Like, Perez makes things hard for himself. He, he just adopts a lot of, like, significant art challenges. And he overall delivers. If there's one art complaint I have... It's with the sheer number of pages that are just like, well, we're just going to do this whole thing in shades of red. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, just, yeah, not not so much a fan of that. But even like the the kind of unusual facial expressions that Perez picks, I'm actually kind of okay with them because like I think the most egregious one is in the first issue that we read, issue 19, page 6. This is when Wanda is dancing, or excuse me, it's page seven where we get the face. Bottom left corner, she's like smiling, but there is something kind of, I don't know, I don't want to be mean. It's it's not a great face. It's it's a little, it's a little, Sarah Jessica Parker is a horse. (laughs) (laughs) That's just, that's just stating a fact. That's just mean. Even so, like, I actually kind of like it, because even if it's not, like, you know, the the sort of statuesque beauty that we're supposed to get in comics, she's just been dancing. She's exhausted. I actually feel like the face works. Yeah, but being exhausted doesn't change her facial structure. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Anyway, I just, I I had to dump, uh, like, kind of all of my thoughts about the art out there since it came up. But, like, overall, I actually think I like this, and I like it a lot better than I did when I read it the first time a couple years ago. I was overall pretty darn positive on it. I think that it helps sometimes, if you're kind of iffy on, on, on something you've read or watched or whatever, to see it again or read it again, if it was good enough to, to do that. Some things you know are going to be crappy no matter how many times you read them. But yeah. I think knowing what you're in for and being able to kind of focus on what's done well, like that can help, you know, like a reread can kind of, mm-hmm. there was, there was a book I liked. I didn't quite get it the first time and I liked it. Okay. And then people kept raving about it and I was like, maybe I need to read it again. And I read it again and did like it better the second time. So, mm-hmm. um, I think that maybe that's what happened here with you. I think that this, this would be one I'd be willing to read again, even though like, I don't like hate Pim's face. There's never a, a frame where I'm like, Hey, that looks like a, that looks like a hero. I mean, he is pained. He is, you know, in a rough spot, but like, man, he looks rough. It's just like this, I don't know. The, the, I don't, maybe it's the ink that's on it. It's just, it's never quite like. Hey, maybe maybe you guys can answer something for me, and I don't I don't know. Maybe I'm just I just missed something because I was there's a lot of text here and a lot of oh gosh yeah to, there is a lot of it yeah, doesn't say lot. anything a lot Uh there's a lot of words but they don't mean anything. Um, <laughs> what the crap was what's his name Justice looking up on the internet and then freaked out about? He was looking at like prisoners. I don't like, know who the, I don't know who those left. characters were, but I think he he discovered the other vibranium, you know, like the the anti vibranium. Yeah, there was a bit in there where he's reading up, and I think it has something to do with how he got injured, and that wound up like freaking him out. That was the impression that I got when I was doing this read through. Do you know exactly where that spot is? I've blocked out the first two issues. <laughs> Man, issue three is just all Ultron all the time. Or, excuse me, issue 21. 
Yeah, he fi- so he finds the he says it was also the site of the battle with the doomsday man, the battle that sidelined him with a broken leg. The memory makes him flush with shame, but he puts it aside and forges onward. Yeah. At his side, his tea grows cold. <laughs> oh yeah, that that yeah, touch dramatic. But you know what? I want my comics to be a touch dramatic. I'm totally fine with that. I really yeah. didn't appreciate how they just dropped the whole T subplot. What about Jarvis? Justice for Jarvis. <laughs> Poor Jarvis. <laughs> Hashtag justice, justice for Jarvis. Justice for <laughs> Injustice for justice. Justice for justice. Yeah, you know what? I don't actually care about justice. I mean, justice the yeah. character. Justice the concept, big fan. But, yeah, I got no idea yeah. who this guy is. Uh, all I know is that Firestar is too good for him. Yeah, yeah, Firestar's the best. She was in the like the first Spider-Man yeah. comic I read, and I'm a Firestar fan. This is the first thing I've read with her in it, I think. Yeah. She was in uh, Spider-Man's Amazing Friends, too, the old cartoon. Yep. Yeah, didn't watch it. Well, there's a good reason for that. Uh, it's I'm not sure good, there is. but it's great meme fodder, isn't it? Yeah, it's pretty good Apparently. meme fodder. Yeah, no, she was, she was kind of cool. I liked her here. I did... I thought it was a little funny that she had, like, two layers of clothing. So, like, when one of them burned off, you're like, oh, it's green. <laughs> yeah, there's something going on with her at this point in her character history where, like, her uh, powers are not totally under control. And so the the second layer of clothing is meant to protect her somehow. But I'm not entirely clear on the details. She she has... Her power is microwaves. She can make microwaves. Oh. And so maybe her... Maybe this suit... It looked like circuitry. And that's yep. how it was referred to. Sure. <laughs> Whatever. Because when I need to protect something from microwaves, I just put a computer chip in front of it. That, yep. that works. Just cover it in, in motherboards. Uh-huh. Saw that on Mythbusters. So, Aldo, what did you think about the story? I thought, I think my problem with it is th- the delivery. Um, like I kind of mentioned previously, they, there's a lot of words, but they don't really say anything. Um Granted, I also missed out on something, I guess, <laughs> with Justice looking up stuff and his tea getting cold. Um, you were so concerned about that tea that everything else got sidelined. Exactly. Like Justice. I think, <laughs> I think, I think the core concept, I like it. Um, I like the whole idea of Ultron, you know, kind of, he, he's making a family, he's aware that he's kind of weak in that sense that he still strives for like that sense of family mm-hmm. and he's a little jealous so he's making like that whole thing was cool hank pym kind of breaking down and just but also uh you know kind of rebuilding himself at the same time kind uh of. kind of barely even um so i mean there's some interesting stuff in here i just i just wish it read a little better i just wish it was a smoother experience um but, I mean, overall, I, I enjoyed it. There's some pretty cool stuff in there. Yeah. Scar- Scarlet Witch being a gypsy dancer was a, something I hadn't seen before, but I guess that's a thing. I didn't know that that was something that I uh, didn't really want. Yeah. You know, I'm indifferent. At this point with Scarlet Witch, I'm indifferent. <laughs> I Scarlet Witch is kind of interesting because she has Romani heritage. And nobody ever really does anything with it. The one exception that I can think of is the most recent Scarlet Witch solo series kind of makes a lot of references to it. Uh, And then you've got, you know, Busick and Perez here drawing her dancing. And I feel like that's not really a, a grounded portrayal of her heritage as much as it is 
people think of tambourine dancers when they think of the Romani, and so that's what we're going to give them. They think of Esmeralda. They think of Esmeralda. Yep. Oh, hey, speaking about uh, oddly real, like, media references, there you go, smooth. That was super smooth. Like a, like mm. a cigar, like a $5 cigar. Um, <laughs> I like that just as that I just want to sit in the mansion and play Pokemon all day. <laughs> oh my gosh, yeah. <laughs> that's that's kind of my favorite line from this whole thing. <laughs> yeah, that was, uh, sure was a thing. I bet he picked blue version. What are you saying about blue version, Aldo? I'm just saying it seems like a very justice type game. Aldo, I don't, I don't like the tone <laughs> that you're taking here. I'm, just, I'm just saying I don't think justice is the type to pick a to pick a big fiery dragon. I think he's looking for the turtle that'll protect him. I have no dog in this fight. <laughs> I like Pikachu. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you would be a dirty yellow player. <laughs> Whoa, that felt racist. <laughs> oh man, it's not even true. I played yellow when I was a kid. I, I loved yellow. Yellow was the best because Pikachu followed yeah. you. Well, oh. also you got all the starters. Also, you got all the starters. That is true. Is that that says something about you, right? Like which which Pokemon you would start with? Yes. Yeah. So like it, I I would say Squirtle. Would that be wrong? No, Squirtle is is a good choice. Yeah. Actually, they're There's all no pretty good. There's no wrong choice except for Bulbasaur. Oh, Aldo, 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 Aldo. Well, you want to play easy mode? Yes. There's nothing wrong with easy mode. Sometimes you just want to sit back and enjoy the story of the game. You know, the great story, the great narrative. Yeah. That yeah. is easily the draw for Pokemon. I want to know why Ash can't just wriggle through the hedge and why he has to get a Pokemon that has cut to get through that hedge. <laughs> It's a big hedge. It's uh, just an artistic representation. Really, the real hedge is the one inside his heart. Like Ultron, who just won't let anybody in. <laughs> so I gotta ask a question here. Okay. To, to get us back on track. I gotta ask a yes. question here. Uh-huh. What, what do y'all think of Hank Pym? Um, until I knew that uh, he um, hit Janet, um, I was nothing. I had, I had no opinion. I was like, well, he's Ant-Man, and he's Giant-Man, and Yellow Jacket? And now it's like, keep him at arm's length, bad dude. Yeah, now, I, my my whole opinion of him is colored by that single thing. I'm just like, oh, there's that superhero that beat his wife. And, like, did his time for it. And, you know, this kind of repaints that in a way that, like, he wasn't in his right mind. And so it's like, all right, all right, I see where you're coming. But, but uh, it still happened. But, yep, don't forget, he also made that genocidal robot that never dies. Yeah, but he hit, but he hit the wasp. I mean, yeah, I'm saying that's <laughs> this is the cherry on top of that. Yeah, yeah. I, I I think my problem is I just haven't read a single story where Hank Pym is not only like a major player or the protagonist, but everything he's I've, that he's been in that I've read, it always makes a reference to either him making Ultron or him having slapped or you know having had a pretty bad past. Yeah. Um. So, like, I've, as just a very casual Marvel reader, or as casual like as I can call myself. On I was going to say, if you were casual before now, you are not anymore. Yeah. Um, <laughs> my experience with, with Hank Pym is, is just that. Um, like, it's it's cool that he gets giant, that he's giant man, not just Ant-Man. Um, but honestly, I find 
at this point, I find Janet uh, a much more interesting character. Oh yeah, like I don't think there's Hank. I don't think there's any question that Janet is a better character than Hank. Uh, yeah. So, John, have you read much about Hank Pym? Only ever in situations like this, where he is there with the Avengers, but never I've never read an Ant-Man comic or anything where he's by himself. Um, my real connection uh, was um, um, Victor Mancha in the in the Runaways. Oh, okay. Who's, who is? Uh, oh, yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. He's an Ultron. Child of Ultron. He's an Ultron. Yeah. Um, and kind of this kind of hints at like Victor, like what what he's going for. Um, what he wants, it kind of sounds like he's describing what Victor is. I don't know if the, that's where the idea came from, but like, you know, retroactively, oh, yeah, because he, um, was able to make a child who was, you know, half human, half Ultron, or else he was all Ultron. He had, he had enough human biology or fake human biology that he could have fooled the Avengers. The whole thing was he was going to grow up become a superhero and they wouldn't know he was an Ultron because it was too well hidden within him that he was, you know, artificial intelligence, artificial life. But uh, I think it was combined with his mom's DNA too. So he's he is kind of what he's... Victor is what Ultron is going for in this comic but doesn't get it done because of, you know, Justice and Thor and, and Wanda, and, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, but the, other than that, like, I've never really, like... Yeah, just uh, he's always been in the background, but I've never read anything about him. What about you, Stephen? So I've got experience with Ant-Man, Hank Pym, in two comics where there is no mention made of his dark past. And actually, these comics kind of present him as though that didn't happen. One is in that most recent, uh, well, I guess it's not the most recent anymore. It's a couple years ago now. She-Hulk, that was uh, running around the same time that Fraction... And Aha Hawkeye was going on. Ant-Man pops up there. That's pretty charming. He also makes an appearance in Thor the Mighty Avenger, which I think is pretty good. And that's sort of this alternate universe take on the Thor mythos where everything kind of has the same sort of like wholesome sheen that we expect stories set in like the 60s to have or 50s or 50s rather than 60s excuse me and those stories make him seem to be kind of an interesting character outside of that anytime he appears in a mainstream marvel comic i'm just like not interested because it's all about how how much he like is sorry that he beat his wife and i don't or he's upset that he's like a second second to or third, really, behind Mr. Fantastic and Iron Man as far as, like, the big brains, you know? Yeah. Like, he's upset about that. I think the smartest thing that the Ant-Man movies did was make the movies not about Hank Pym, because Pym is boring. Well, I yeah. don't think that's nice. that was nice. I mean, they could have fixed it. I mean, every nobody liked yeah. Iron Man before 2008. Yeah, but Iron Man, like, has some cool concepts behind him. I'm, I'm just saying, they could have done it. I, I, I don't know. I don't know. Hank Pym. I, they did Ant-Man. I just don't think they could do Hank Pym. I think it worked out uh, by what they did. And I will laugh. So, I, every time he said, he, he's so excited. Like, he's the only one 
in in Endgame, who's like paying attention to Thor summing up the dark world because no one else cares and neither did the audience. Like, oh, we saw that movie. And he's like edge of his seat, like nodding, like, yeah, yeah, yeah. And him saluting America's ass is going to be funny every day for the rest of my life. True, true. So, yeah, I'm a fan of using Scott Lang over Hank Pym, but I think, yeah, it still could have worked with Hank Pym, but we got what we got and I'm not sorry about that, so... Okay, can I tell you my favorite moment in Ultron Unlimited? Yeah. Well, if it's not the part where Justice wants to stop playing Pokemon and save the world, I don't know what it could possibly be. <laughs> it's issue 21. The Avengers finally destroyed Ultron 16. And then Ultron 17 pops up. And they're all like, oh no, we do not have the energy for this. And then you flip over the page and Ultron 23 shows up. And then they turn around, yeah. and Ultron yeah. 458 sticks his head out. Yeah. Honestly, that whole bit was like, oh my gosh, that's really good. To the point where I was actually kind of upset when you go to the, the final issue and you find out that these are not real Ultrons, they're not made out of adamantium. Uh, that felt like a bit of a cop-out, because now they're just, you know, it's the inverse rule of ninjutsu, where <laughs> the more of them there are, the weaker they are. <laughs> That's like the crux of the whole, um, there's a whole Dr. McNinja issue like that. <laughs> it's so good. I friggin' love Dr. McNinja. It's probably my favorite webcom. Oh my gosh. Um, I, uh, I think that happens a lot though in serialized storytelling where you have to raise the stakes for a cliffhanger, but then you got to move on to the next bit of the story. So you resolve that thing really quick and then you move on to the next thing. So like, oh no, there's 458 of them. Ah, just kidding. They're not all going to be as tough as that guy. So we get rid of them real quick and then move on to, you know. Yeah. I mean, that's how uh, Age of Ultron, the movie, ended. Yeah. It was with a whole bunch of Ultron yeah. robots that they just kind of like smashed their way through. Well, he was lifting an entire nation, city, whatever up into the sky to crush all of life on the earth you know like to to dinosaur it out like asteroid whatever yeah and he wasn't the indestructible ultron like he is in the comics because they stole his indestructible body i have a question Mm. in general speaking of ultron and um paul bettany you know being jarvis and then becoming vision which i thought was a cool thing he was not happy about that no paul bettany was not happy about being Vision because now he had to wake up and sit in a room for six <laughs> hours and get makeup on. And he couldn't just come in Boo-hoo. at the end of recording in his pajamas and record for three hours. Yeah. <laughs> uh, no, I had a question about Paul Bettany. To you guys' knowledge, is there a movie that he's in where he doesn't show his butt in some way? Knight's Tale shows his butt. Wimbledon shows his butt. Uh, Ultron. I mean, you could argue there's at least side butt. Uh, Android side butt. Uh, Da Vinci Code, but... Well, I guess we need to change his name to Paul Buttony. Oh! Sounds like we're spinning our wheels a little bit. Do we have any other thoughts on Ultron Unlimited? Nope. I have no opinions. (laughs) That's probably... Yeah. (laughs) I'm done. Okay, well, in that case, Aldo, would you mind uh, moving on to Domino? Yeah. Uh, So Domino is... From the, she's a mutant whose ability is to alter luck. Um, and it's still kind of not... Well, here they make it, they clear it up. But before that, if, to me, it wasn't clear. If it was just her luck or other people's luck or just luck in general. Um, but anyway, so here she's kind of being haunted by two people from her past. 
but she doesn't really know them. She had like no real interaction with them. Um, and they're out to kill to to make her suffer as much as possible. Um, and part of that includes taking away her being having the mutant ability to take away her power. So she goes and she trains with uh, Shang Chi for a little bit, so he can teach her how to control her power better. But then, uh, and she does. She learns how to do that. But she also learns to kind of face her fears head on, instead of just you know kind of cowering and uh, flighting, instead of fighting. Um, <laughs> I mean, I know what you're going for, but yeah, yeah, he got it. It's um, good. It's good. <laughs> yeah, but but anyway, so Domino has like her posse of friends. Uh it's it's in it like Diamondback and I forgot what Inessa's Outlaw. Name. I think is what they call her. Outlaw. Yeah. Yeah. Outlaw and Diamondback are part of her, like her her kind of girl squad posse of mercenaries, um, and every time they've gone on a mission, they keep, uh, you know, somebody keeps Domino thinks that somebody that one of the two is probably like uh, snitching, not snitching, uh, reporting in and kind of giving away their position so they can get ambushed. Um, we later find out it wasn't either of them, but we can talk about that later. It doesn't really matter, actually. Um, <laughs> yeah. but part, part of what's interesting here is that the villains, so she used to be part of like, like an experiment thing, kind of like Weapon X, but not really. It seems like there were just mutant experimentation, uh, you know, that, that really typical thing that always comes back. There's always like a shady government thing that's trying to get rid of mutants. So they use mutants to get rid of the problem. Um, but they're trying to, to. I don't know. I don't know what they're trying to do. They're just get her, trying to get her to just use her luck thing on whatever or not. Um, that's a little unclear to me. But anyways, but the two people that are kind of like haunting her uh, is another guy named Prototype, um, and his mutant power is also a little unclear. But part of his connection to Domino is that every time things go well for her. Uh, he kind of gets all the negative. So the more luck turns in her favor, the more he gets older, bones break, gets depression, blah, blah, blah. Um, and the other person is his friend from from when they were doing those experiments. She's like the daughter of the guy who was running the whole facility. And she has the power to take away other mutants' powers or heighten them or just kind of alter the... the the potent the potency of their powers i guess i was wondering about that because it, it wasn't clear to me the whole time because it was... yeah yeah i, I don't know it, the, the two villains were kind of a little all over the place actually like you, you weren't always quite sure what their powers were or weren't or what the limits were on them yeah um but at the end of the day uh prototype ends up i mean they actually end up killing both the villains yeah in this one oh uh, which was a bit of a surprise uh Probably wouldn't yeah. have been if I read more like anti-hero stuff, but like this is right in the Deadpool wheelhouse where where you get into those anti-hero type things, yeah. um, and it kind of shows. So I mean that's kind of the gist of the story. Like both the villains kind of die at the end. Uh, Shang Chi kind of refuses to train Domino after that, so they don't make contact, even though they were hitting it off, and uh, she was really putting the trying to put the charms on them. Mm-hmm. Uh and uh, and they kind of all go back. Oh yeah, and Domino also has a really ugly pug thing, dog. Of oh, course, yeah, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Anyways, uh, what did you guys think? I liked it. Um, there were there were some things like the art is very good, yeah. but it is a little 
cheesecakey? Is that what the, is that the, ter- that the term we've been using? Yeah. Like, it's that in house style. Yeah. yeah. So <laughs> yeah. I I really like the covers. Um, <laughs> apart from the the you know cheesecakiness, but like. I don't know. I I'm I I like to draw, and so when something is done this well, I really appreciate it because I know that it's it's difficult to to really you know nail a character like that. But you know, yeah. So I actually so I actually did forget to mention that this is written by Gail Simone, um, art by David Baldion. Is it David? I thought it was Greg Land. No, he's no, the cover. He did the covers. Yeah, that's why Cover, the whole right, thing doesn't right, just right. feel like one pirated book. Um. <laughs> It is David Baldian. And Greg Land did the covers. Uh, and boy, do I have opinions about Greg Land. Do we need to talk about Greg Land again? Because we kind of talked about Greg Land already. Man, the only thing I'm going to say about Greg Land is that that dude... Uh, what's, uh, dang it, what's the word? You steal art. He's a plagiarist. Plagiarist, there you go. Dang. Yeah. Oh? So, so one, he's stolen a lot from his own art. Like, he reuses and traces over his own art. Two, he also does that with other artists' art. Oh, not cool. Uh-huh. And three, I did not know that. doesn't just use, like, photography, like, models and stuff like that as reference. He just straight up, like, draws over, like, photographs and models and stuff. Specifically uh, of pornography. Of pornography, yes. Gentleman magazine, some would call them. Like, I am not encouraging you to do this. This <laughs> But if you were to do a Google image search for Greg Land, it is relatively safe for work, but you can tell that he is absolutely pulling his facial expressions from women who are in a position of... There's no good way to say this. I already screwed it up. Yeah. I mean, if, I mean, all I would say is just look up... Just do the Google search, like... Greg Land, like tracing, plagiarism. The first thing, yeah, the first thing comes up is tracing. <laughs> yeah, um, and then just uh, you know, just go down a couple forums, and it's uh, it's just really obvious. And I think part of the reason that it bugs me is I was watching, so I watched a, a thing a few like a year or two ago, of somebody who did a YouTube video just kind of going over this whole kind of controversy. Um, and the thing that makes this all a little bit more disappointing is that he's. He actually was a really good artist, like by his own right. Um, but then, just over the years, has has kind of done this a lot, and it seems like it's to cut corners and be a little lazy. And it's really bothers me, bothers me because he's uh, he's a cover artist, and those yeah. th- when you're a cover artist, like that typically means you've done something right. Um, and the fact that he is that and is still that and is still to this day like hired and working for Marvel. Is a little to me. I would, if I was an artist at Marvel, I would probably feel a little insulted. Yeah, it's it's not great. Yeah, and like he, I mean, maybe he gets. I mean, with that technique, of course, he probably finishes the work faster than other artists. But if that's what he's doing, then he shouldn't be given those jobs. You know, I did not know that. I enjoyed these covers. (laughs) Now they are tainted. Yeah, thanks, Aldo. No problem. The, the thing, uh, that's kind of what kills me too, is I actually really like, with the exception of covers, of cover number five, um, and six, I'm actually not a big fan of six. I like six in concept. I think yeah. six was oh. the one I liked. Hold but, on. Really? Yeah. Oh, okay. That's the one with so the all first, the different domino costumes, right? Yeah. 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 So I really like the, the first four covers. I think they're all really good. But it's this problem that it looks fine until you look at the faces, and the faces just look 
there's just more detail in them that or more specific detail in the faces that isn't on the rest of like the page that you're just like oh these are actual somebody's faces <laughs> i think the thing that bugs me about the covers more than anything else is the fact that and I promise we could talk about something other than the covers, but the fact that Domino has white skin and then the costume like that covers her breasts is white, it kind of looks like she's just naked. That's, I think, on purpose. Oh, yeah. I, I think that's yeah. Greg Land. I, you know, I'm not sure that it's Greg Land, though. You don't think so? I don't think so. I mean, once she has that costume in, in the book, right? I, um, I don't know that she does. She does. She does, though. She do, though. Um, but also because this is this is a Gail Simone book, and I don't know how much as a as a writer, I don't know how much say she has over costume designs or that type of thing. But part of the reason why I love Gail Simone is because I'm a man, and I what? could not, for the life of me, write a woman. Um, and every time I I see like a female character who is written as you know kind of sexual or okay with her femininity. To me, it always just feels like a little shallow. Like, it feels like, as a man, I'm writing up an excuse why it's okay to ogle this woman. Yeah. But when Gail Simone does it, it I mean, it's prob- it just feels a lot more natural. And mm-hmm. I don't know it's, if it's like a placebo effect, because I know it's Gail Simone, or if it's just the quality of her writing. But I, I wonder how much of that played into the costume yeah. design. I, so I mentioned this uh, in our uh, private chat. I think last week, there's a documentary on Netflix called She Makes Comics that kind of looks at the history of American comic book publishing from the perspective of the women who were involved in the industry. And at different points, they focus on like one creator who was kind of the most prominent creator of that time. And Gail Simone gets a spotlight for her work on Birds of Prey, which I think I mentioned this actually the last time we talked. I kind of think the same thing about Birds of Prey that I think about Domino, that it's a decent story that, to me, the the sexy artwork kind of detracts from it a little bit. Um, I actually think that was a bigger problem in Birds of Prey than it is here. Yeah. But, yeah, um... It was an interesting... I would encourage anybody who has Netflix and is listening to this, go watch She Makes Comics. You'll learn a lot. Um, Gail Simone comes across very, very well in this documentary. Just like the nicest person who's just like, you know what, there was something going on in comics that I didn't like. I called it out, but I didn't give up on the industry. I wanted to be involved. I wanted the industry to improve. And so now I write comics, and it's great. Like, Gail Simone kind of became notorious for publishing a list of female characters who were died or maimed or otherwise brutalized in the order fridge list. Yeah. She developed, like she coined the phrase women in refrigerators. If you've ever heard that term before, I have not. Can I uh, hear how it goes? The term women in refrigerators comes from a green lantern comic from the nineties. Kyle Rayner, green lantern, was dating a girl whose name, unfortunately, I don't remember, but that's kind of the point of this this trope, is that the name almost doesn't matter. The woman he is dating gets killed by one of his villains, and she is dismembered and her corpse stuck in Kyle Rayner's refrigerator. It's Ew. kind of horrid. And so the, the trope, women in refrigerators, like refers to a woman who is killed or maimed or brutalized in order to provide 
narrative motivation for her male co-stars. And so the list of women who were fridged, it was pretty extensive when I first encountered the list like 15, 20 years ago. And it's pretty much grown since then. But, you know, after starting this website, kind of tracking this information, Gail Simone eventually worked her way into comics and she writes some pretty decent stories. Yeah. I'm not sure that Domino is my favorite of hers, though. <laughs> yeah. I, th- I think I really appreciate uh, Gail Simone kind of in the same way that I appreciate Dan Slott in the sense that in a long-running book, I think they're excellent. Um, I could I think see you that. Get a, you get, like, a really good peppering of jokes. You know, not they're not always... It's not always 100%, you know, uh, win rate with the jokes with either of the two writers. Um... But I think just overall, you get a really good sense of character and growth and like their their familial connections. Uh, and I think like like Dan Slott, Gail Simone is to me the DC equivalent of that. At least up until she started working at doing some Marvel stuff. Um, so anytime she was writing something and it was she was in for the long haul, like you were in for a good book. Like her Wonder Woman stuff has always been like top notch. Um, but yeah. I just realized I don't think I've read her Wonder Woman. It's top notch. Okay, I'll have to look into it. <laughs> what were your What were your problems with this, Stephen? Uh, I don't want to just like chime in with the problems because there is a lot of stuff that I liked. But since you asked, um, the thing that bothered me the most is that I felt like the the light hearted, fun, good natured tone that she's going for doesn't really match the character. Now, Domino's not a character that I have a whole lot of connection to. I, I don't know that much about her. I do know her... Like, she got her start in the same run of X-Force that gave us Deadpool. And so the fact that those characters have a connection and could potentially have very similar tones... Like, I think that works, potentially. So there is room for her to be both, like, this cold-blooded killer and this light-hearted fun-seeking girl. Um, But what really kind of bothers me is that we don't really see a lot of that darkness in Domino during this story until the end of issue six when she just murders the the woman who's been trying to kill her. Mm -hmm. Which is a little jarring. Again, I do think it, like, pulled way back bird's eye view it probably fits with the character of domino it fits who she's supposed to be i think i mean she's an anti-hero right but within the con within the confines of this story it doesn't fit the character that i thought we were getting to know sure and so it felt really really jarring to me yeah so so i and i can see where you're going because domino at least to me has always felt like a femme fatale character right as opposed to like i don't know the punisher yeah yeah um so 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 I, I can see where you're going with this because because yeah like when i started reading this i was like oh you know this is it this is it, my dad's domino <laughs> <laughs> but at the same time it's it's kind of one of those things where it's like i don't know that i necessarily think it's a bad character uh choice i guess or a bad direction for the character to go but I do agree that it feels a little jarring because you go from her kind of being like this straight player typically with, with you know, Deadpool um, or just kind of, you know, being this cold-hearted assassin, uh-huh. just whatever, 
So for her to suddenly be like, haha, we're cracking jokes and I'm hanging out with my BFFs, um, just felt like a little, oh, wait, what am I reading? Yeah. Yeah. I, I think that, but, that that makes sense. Like, it was a little jarring. They did give some justification for her, you know, killing this killer. Um, but with her power, she probably just is kind of like, you know, lives by the seat of her pants because things always work out for her, right? Yeah. And And we get that. But then, and, and it works at the beginning where it's like shocking when like, oh no, someone's going to take away her powers. And then she, you know, we see her vulnerability there. And then she goes to Shang-Chi and then I, I didn't need to hear all of the, like the, the things she was planning to do with him. Um, like it was kind of like cute. Like she was like, Ooh, Shang-Chi, like she was taken with him, but then it went a, a step further. And I was like, uh, I mean, at least it was Gail Simone, you know, coming from, it was coming from a, a, a woman writer um, and, and not like. It'd be creepy coming yeah, from a I, dude. You know, you know, I think it's funny because I actually thought that was a little funny when she was talking about uh, how he's you know, she's in love. He's like yeah. a like a first base type of guy. Yeah, oh, yeah, gosh. Yeah. <laughs> Second base. Yeah. And then she's like under the blouse, over the bra. Yeah. And then like later, she's like nope. under the yeah. blouse, under the bra. And I was like, oh, damn. <laughs> Sorry. So- oh, oh, dang. <laughs> <laughs> and so like I think this is actually – this is part of that tonal inconsistency because to me, that sort of like, oh yeah, he's a first base guy, maybe second base, you know, all of that, that felt like a line from Power Girl. Yeah. And so to me, it almost felt like Simone wasn't writing Domino, she was writing Power Girl again. Which, again, don't get yeah. me wrong, we mentioned this last time, Power Girl is a decent book, so... Yeah, it, it the, the, the problem isn't... The problem isn't the quality of the character. The problem is they're not the same character. They're not the same character. But is this the first time we've had a Domino uh, um, solo <sighs> no, series? No, it is not. I do believe there's another Domino series. Okay. Uh, okay. I have this as Domino Volume 3 in our personal database. Because it just seems like previously, like any other time I've seen Domino, it's been, you know, an X-Men book where, you know, or she's... Uh, yeah, like she's on an X-Force team and she's like, you know... Uh, it's like we get the team together and we need Domino for this to work. And it's, you know, she's an interesting character like that. And I was, you know, looking forward to seeing more of her. And for the most part, I did like this. I, I don't know what um, Outlaw's power is. Is it cleavage? I, I think it's just like super strength. Okay. That's what I thought. I'm was... I, I did have to look her up. Uh, uh-huh. I actually had to look up both of these characters, <laughs> but I've mm-hmm. read. Stop it. <laughs> Aldo, do you know he's married? He's married. <laughs> Steven. <laughs> So I looked up Outlaw on her Wikipedia page where there is, like, I don't even think there's a picture of her on here, honestly. Uh, but you double-checked uh. just in case, right? Well, I'm on there right now because I'm reminding myself, okay, there's a picture. Shut up. Three times. All of you. <laughs> so Outlaw was created by Gail Simone. That's the factoid I was trying to remind myself of. Because I thought that was Inez was another character that was uh, I there was a Deadpool issue that I read where she's like his confidant and like the straight man to his you know craziness. I thought it was the same character. It could There's be more the same than character. One well, that I mean, this was oh, a, no, a long time created ago. by Gail Simone in like 2002. Okay, never mind. We're Actually, good. in Gail Simone's run on Deadpool. Okay. Yeah, and the other character, Diamondback. I've actually read. Some Diamondback. She is a reformed member of the Serpent Society, which means that she's been in Captain America's circle. And so I've read some of the old uh, Mark Grunewald era Captain America comics, and she's in those. 
Well, yes, Stephen. They dated. Yes, Didn't you read the book? They dated. I'm just saying I've encountered the character <laughs> when... Uh, why do I do a podcast with you guys? I kind of hate you. <laughs> yeah, I don't, Someone's I don't gonna understand keep you. this. Someone's going to keep you in line. <laughs> um, yeah, Crazy Inez. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> Yeah, she doesn't like it. It's not a name you run into a lot. So anyway, um, stuff that I did like. I want to mention at least one thing that I did like. I really like the way they portray Shang Chi in this. Yeah, this was a better introduction to Shang Chi than the book we actually read. To introduction. (laughs) Yep. Yep. Not even arguing a little. That's that's a (laughs) hundred percent correct. Yeah, which is kind of unfortunate, I think, because uh, again. This isn't the best introduction to Shang-Chi just because we don't, you know, know a whole lot about him. Still, Still. all we know, we, we know that Domino thinks he is just the finest, juiciest piece of flesh that she's ever seen. Um, yeah, she wanted to eat him up. That's like, that's putting it like nicely. Yeah. This honestly, Put it family friendly. It honestly kind of feels like. Domino is talking up Shang-Chi because someone higher up at Marvel knew that Disney was planning a Shang-Chi series. And so they're like, we need to start drumming up buzz for this character. But uh, you know what? It didn't yeah. not work. So good job. You, you know what the funny thing is? Like her, like her almost slobbering over Shang-Chi almost felt like uncomfortable and i for a brief moment to myself i was like dang is this how like women feel when they read like 80 percent of comics <laughs> <laughs> i mean maybe no well i mean i mean like they also feel that uncomfortable about having just a bunch of characters all go female characters yeah i mean maybe yeah. i think the thing is like <sighs> How often does it happen with Shang-Chi or, you know, male characters in general versus how often does it happen with female mm-hmm. characters? Yeah, there's definitely a difference in, in kind. But I do think if, yeah. like, you were reading comics and that's all you encountered to represent your entire sex, yeah, that would definitely get grading. Yeah. As it is, it's fine. I'm actually okay with it 100% yeah. in this story. Um, it's it's... It's to me. It's actually kind of cute. It's really funny. Um, I like that she got like the sexy Shang Chi costume. Oh gosh! Yeah. I then got a. I then got a talking to about cultural appropriation. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Uh, what other thoughts do you guys have about Domino? I don't know. I it was for all the little nitpicks and stuff. I still think it's good, and I'm glad. You know, I'm glad that she got a series because, like I said, she's just been kind of like a background team member. But I think it's an interesting power set that you can. I don't know. My my drawing to comics is the, is their powers. You know, I really like to. You know, especially the X Men. Like, what what, oh, what what can their powers do? That's awesome. You know, um, which is surprising that I like Hawkeye as much as I do. He ain't got he's, no powers. He's a dude with a bow and arrow. Like, yeah. Um, yeah, you know, I I liked it. A, I liked it a bunch. I think one of the things I liked a lot was the art. Actually, yeah, mm-hmm. yeah, the interior art with with one major exception. I really like the interior art. Yeah, uh, yeah. No, I I like a lot of what they did. Actually, the the thing I'm particularly fond of is pretty much book five because they have this whole neon purple and blue color scheme that kind of proceeds to the whole uh, book. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think the interesting part is it's because they're at the club, right? Like it's right, nighttime right. in Hong Kong. Uh, but the thing is that color scheme kind of continues even when they're not at the club, 
when it when it switches over to the to Diamondback and and the stuff with her fighting a uh, prototype and the redhead the head the redhead person, um, like that blue and purple color scheme still continues in those in those story bits. Um, it's actually it's actually really cool. I, I was mm-hmm. really digging that. Yeah, colorist yeah. in this is uh, Jesus Albert Abertov. Not a name I'm familiar with. Uh, there's like two colorists that I know by name, and that's it. Uh, but yeah, especially in book five, I like. I, I'm a sucker for the color purple anyway. So if you if you've got a good highlighting of the colors, blue and purple. Stephen Stephen has a tattoo. Of <laughs> underwear, but it's gross. It's exactly where you'd think it would be. <laughs> Dang. Uh, yeah, uh, I I the colors stood out to me as well. Like the whole style was clean, but like the colors mm-hmm. I think were more than just, you know, your house style. I thought that they they did a really great job with that. Yeah. yeah. The only like nitpick that I have about the art is in issues I think it's one and two where Domino is lounging around in her lingerie. Like there's something about the way it looks. It just like looks really unnatural. It's like they just took a screen tone and drew over. Oh yeah. Yeah. Like mm-hmm. I, I don't like that because it doesn't really match the aesthetic of the rest of the book. It looks, it looks fake. I think it's funny that she has like this, uh, like this lingerie esque top, but her bottom is just like briefs. Like, to me, this is also a weird nitpick. To me, that just doesn't seem like that's a real set you could buy a Victoria's Secret. David Baldian. <laughs> Do your research, man. <laughs> um, but yeah, that's, that's the only nitpick that I really have as far as the art goes. I think the, the art style really suits these characters. Where they're going for kind of like this, this fun, almost sexy romp. Uh, it... You know, the art does give you, like, a lot of that fan service. But also, the facial expressions on the characters make them look like people who are feeling emotions. Which is a big deal when you're dealing with these sorts of uh, stories. Is that your your female characters still need to feel like they are characters. It's funny, too, because there's a lot of the times when this art feels a little Dotson-esque. It does! It really does! Yeah, especially some... And you really feel it, at least for me, you really feel it like in the bigger images, like when you like that full, like that full page of Shang-Chi that looks to me almost like Dawson like. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think the part where this book really, at least to me, shines in, is in a lot of the the, the facial close ups. And um, kind of looking at book three, page 13, when she turns around to see like her friends have survived the explosion, like that face that she makes, it's really good. Uh-huh. I don't know. It just, I think a lot of the the, the character close ups are just really well done. Yeah, I I agree. Actually, talking about faces, oh my goodness, prototypes face at the end of issue five. <laughs> Ooh, yeah, that, that was, was rough. Pretty great. Yeah, that took me for a ride. I like when she's focusing in issue five on you know just what Shang Chi taught her. And it's just a close-up of her eyes, and they're determined, and then she just goes in, and the, the uh, speech bubbles and sound effects are left blank because she's just too focused to deal with whatever these bad guys are saying. Either that or there's a glitch in the app, but I'm pretty sure. Yeah, it's, it's, it's the focus, focus, I believe. Thank goodness, because part of me was still not sure. <laughs> I was like, anything's possible. <laughs> that out of This whole comic, yeah. just those panels could have been left um, blank. <laughs> Prototype is a terrible villain name. <laughs> yeah. I mean, it was a pretty good video game series. Yeah, it wasn't. Well, no, wait, hold on. I never played the prototype. I was thinking of uh, uh, the other one that was basically infamous. Infamous, yeah. It's worse than yeah, Taser. Yeah. 
I mean, okay, between this and Rogan Gambit, who has the worst villain name? So this had prototype, Rogan Gambit had Lavish. Oh, yeah. Lavish is worse. I think Lavish, yeah, Lavish, I, I think is, Lavish worse. is worse. Yeah. Prototype still isn't great. Also, I like how she just casually ends up with a riverboat. Oh yeah, that just happened. It yeah, was very she natural. just owns she just owns a riverboat, like a gambling drinking riverboat. Mm-hmm. Yeah, which I think probably works. I'm 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 interested to read the rest of this story because it's like you've already got outlaw. Uh, you now have a riverboat. I kind of get the impression, but I'm not sure about this. Is Domino from the South? I don't. I don't think. So. I mean, I don't think she's really from anywhere with her origin story told here. Yeah, with her, uh, this is you know she was experimented on as a young kid, so like any connection to a place is yeah. I'm gonna look it up. Oh, you know what though? Actually, to me, it was interesting. I thought her mark was like a natural thing. Apparently, it's a tattoo. Yeah. 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 Um, which to me kind of makes all. It it perceives with my, um, I guess perception, <laughs> of Domino as she was portrayed in Deadpool two because in Deadpool two they kind of played that off as um, what is that? Heter- no, um, I was gonna say heterochromia, but that's your eyes. No, no, the yeah, skin like condition, vertimiglia or something Ye- like that. <laughs> Milovintimiglia. <laughs> yeah. There you go, nailed it. Best Gilmore boy. Oh, sorry, it's Petrelli. <laughs> Is the condition? <laughs> Wait a minute. What? Pacelli? <laughs> no, I know what you're saying. I don't know what it is. I think this is like. I thought that, I thought it was Anyways. a cool look for the movie. I haven't seen the movie, but I've seen the character design. Um, much. yeah, it's yeah. So I always thought it was just like a like a skin thing, and because a lot of people were like, um, you know, that was kind of an interesting take on on doing the live action adaptation where they because they were when they announced Domino. I think me and a lot of people were just like, well, how are they gonna? Are they just going to slap on a big old face dot on the actress? And that was kind of a neat take to do with it. <laughs> but now that I kind of know, well, now that I know it's a tattoo in the comics, I don't know. Like, whatever, I guess, man. But okay. <laughs> Chicago, after the uh, top secret government breeding program intended to develop the perfect weapon, she was the only test subject to survive. Well, clearly not. <laughs> well, now this I don't know when this was. This is Wikipedia, man. Okay. Um do we have anything else to say about this one? No, worth a read. It was uh, I liked it. I mean, par- uh, apart from the, you know the issues we discussed, I, I think it was still good. And more Shang-Chi. Uh, more Shang-Chi. I did like that Domino got thrown as a fastball special. That was pretty rad. Oh gosh, yeah. And <laughs> and her main her main complaint about it being that she's not even Canadian. <laughs> <laughs> or not argument, her main argument about it. <laughs> yeah. Okay, do we move on to ranking then? I'm proud of us for getting through as quickly as we did. Yeah. It's, uh, it's vit, Vitiligo. Vitiligo? Oh, we're talking about the eye thing? This, yeah, the, no, the skin thing. Yeah. The skin thing is like vit, Vitiligo. I had to look it up. It's Vertigo. That was <laughs> one of Hitchcock's best films. Seriously, if, if you haven't seen that, like, you know, the fun one is Rear Window. I mean, for a movie with a murder in it, but like, you know. I don't think murder should deter you from enjoying a movie because John Wick is ninety nine percent murder. Oh, I saw that on TV, and even the TV, even the TV edit, I was like, "Hey, this is too violent." <laughs> it was, whoo. Like, you ever think you're overreacting there, John? No, he kills everybody. <laughs> no, not you, John. I meant John. Oh John. yeah, yeah. It was just a puppy. No, <laughs> yeah, puppies are great. Is, yeah, exactly. Okay, so currently on our list, number one. We've got No Normal, the first story arc from G. Willow Wilson's Ms. Marvel run. 
Number 64 is The Evil That Men Do, a book by a guy <laughs> that we did not like. The book, not the guy. Although I'm kind of indifferent on the guy. I'm mostly indifferent on the guy. Yeah. Okay, so where do these stories go? Let's start with Ultron Unlimited. <sighs> um, I'm just, I just keep like going down a little bit more, down a little bit more, down a little yeah, bit more. Yeah, you know, I'm, I'm down like by maximum carnage. Yeah. Really? I'm a little higher than that, but not much. Okay. Okay, no, I'm actually a lot higher. Okay. <laughs> I, like, like I said, also my main problem with it was I, I was kind of bored with it for a lot, for a while. Uh-huh. And I, I think that's just me feeling a little indifferent to it. So really, I'm open to a lot of your guys' uh, ranking. I would put it under Eternals at spot 37. Here's the thing. I don't like it as much as Mary Jane Homecoming. Well, that's a character flaw that is your personal business, and we don't have to berate you for any longer. You know, I have an opinion now. Um, (laughs) Man, you can't bring logic to an anime fight. I forgot that about you, too. Yeah, but no, like, seriously, and I'm honestly not just saying this to to get John's goat. (laughs) It's... It's a it's a plus. <laughs> it is a plus, but it's not the only reason. Uh, Mary Jane Homecoming, I like a lot as a story, and I've liked it from the first time I read it. Ultron Unlimited, I had to read twice to get to the point where I was positive on it. And so, for me, I think that, I don't know. At the same time, though, I actually kind of liked it better than The Client. Yeah. But by how much? Here's the thing, though. If if, if I'm going to say it's better than the client, I'm also going to say it's better than Eternals. Oh, I don't. Mm, I don't think I agree with that. I think if I was to draw a line, I draw a line at Eternals. I mean, I'm actually okay with it going at 37. I think I do think uh, Mary Jane Homecoming is better than it, but I'll just save that for my personal right, blog. That's that's where it's going. That's where it's going then. 37. I'll just say this about anime: uh, the things that I like can't be printed on a pillow that you can hug. So. I mean, how sure are you about that? I don't want to do the research to find out if that's true or not. Okay, I am right now Googling Hawkeye Pillow. <laughs> no! Because then I have to buy it. Oh, apparently Hawkeye's like a... Oh, it, it's uh, taking me to, like, Mash. University of Iowa. Oh. Oh, there are... Like a body pillow? I should do body pillow. Hold on. That's my problem. Oh. That was your problem. Uh, I found it. Yep, it exists. Ooh, he's got a cute tush. Oh, okay. <laughs> ruined, ruined. And it's also bringing ruined up results me. for Riza Hawkeye, of course. Yeah. Uh, there is an Iron Man uh, body pillow. Would you like that instead, John? How much? <laughs> okay, so let's let's rank Domino now. Uh, Domino body pillow. Oh, no, 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 don't do that. That is that is a thing. I'm Killer sure. instinct. Okay, so I, for some reason I feel like the... And maybe it's just because these are the two newest comics that we've read... My first point of comparison is Rogue and Gambit. I was looking there too. I yeah. like this about as much as I like Rogue and Gambit. I think I like Rogue and Gambit a little bit more. But I'm I'm open to to arguments from. Uh, what do you think? What do you think, Aldo? Or have you dived down the body pillow <laughs> rabbit hole? No, no, I'm still above surface. Um, <laughs> you know, I they feel about comparable. Um, they both have like really similar art style. They both have really excellent writers. Lame, lame uh, villains. Lame villains. Yeah. You know what, though? I think I have to give it to Rogue and Gambit. If anything, 
for that fight where they're just like beating up all of their old versions and absorbing each other's memories. That's when you fair. describe it like that, it yeah. actually sounds way more fun than I think I had with it in the moment. <laughs> yeah, but remembering that bit, I think that's kind of what sells it to me. Just, just that, I mean, not even sells it, just pushes it a little over the line over Domino. Because yeah. I like Domino, and I like like that she has this whole thing about uh, you know her best friends and also... Everybody calling out all the mutants, all the beautiful mutants for being beautiful mutants. Yep. Yep. Yeah. The beautiful mutants. The beautiful mutants. <laughs> oh. <laughs> Another fast ranking. I don't know when, like, Wait, this did is we cool. decide under Rogan Gambit? I think we did. Okay. Yeah. Cool. All right. So that, that actually concludes our discussion for this week. Uh, for our next episode... We decided to read, uh, we're going to do one story. It's been a while since we've done that. This is going to be a story that John's been asking us to get to for a while. <laughs> the first of, the first of three. We'll, we'll see when we get to the other two. Uh, um, but we're going to start by reading Messiah Complex. So this is an X-Men event from 2004. It runs through both, or it runs through X-Men, New X-Men, X-Factor, and Uncanny X-Factor. Boy, you know how I love those for all the filing I have to do. Here, here's what I gotta tell you. Um, just buy the trade, because you'll be you'll love it so much, you'll want to own it anyway. <laughs> or, you know, go to the app and read the comic. It gives you the, the stories in order to read. It, when you search by event, it does that? Or... Or tune in to the next episode of the Superhuman Registration Podcast and listen to our thoughts about it. Maybe that'll convince you to read it or skip it. Ooh, all those starting combative. Bam, bam. Whatever. I'm, I'm that, <laughs> pill, that, that comic's under my pillow right now. You can't hurt me. <laughs> <laughs> now, we can trash Messiah War, but then I will hear no bad words against Second Coming. All, all I'm going to say is Messiah Complex sounds really edgy and... No, it's not. Well, (laughs) I'm trying to think. I'm trying to think if it's It's no man. No man. It's 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 X Many goodness. It's 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 good old X Many goodness. You know, I'll find out. Um, another back matter issue. What did you guys think about um the rights of Spider Man going back to Sony? I was actually going to bring this up. Yeah, I think it's crap. I think that we can make enough noise that they'll they'll rethink them. Sony will think rethink this bad move. So the latest article I saw is that they're apparently still under under negotiation. Good because like it's not solidified. Good yet. because it's it makes just when we get J.K. Simmons back as J. Jonah Jameson, the best casting of all time. I don't care. I don't want to hear about Heath Ledger as the Joker. J.K. Simmons as J. J. Jonah Jameson is the best casting of all time. Um, then they pull this crap. I'm yeah. It, yeah. We need Spider Man. We need Spider Man. We need Tom Holland. Uh, you know, I don't think we need Tom Holland. I like Tom Holland. Shut up. <laughs> that came out. That came out less jokey than I. So would. John likes. John wants to know what we think, but he doesn't actually care what we think. That's what I'm <laughs> taking from this. Uh. My tone meant. I meant for my tone to play be be playful, and it did not at all come across <laughs> as that. I'm gonna I'm gonna just listen now. Go ahead. So go here's ahead. here's my take on on this whole thing. I'm actually really okay if Sony gets the rights to Spider-Man like 
and, and just keeps them to themselves and keeps Disney away from it. Not that Disney's done a bad job. It just, I, I am increasingly nervous about how much of our popular culture is owned by a single company. Like, it makes me really uncomfortable. Uh, I, I, I mean, the entire point of capitalism is that it is supposed to encourage competition, and that competition breeds innovation. And, I mean, if we don't get that aspect, why do we have capitalism, you know? Well, Warner Brothers and DCs just have their thumbs up their butt, so... I was going to say, I think you're forgetting about the major competitor, DC Films. I can't even finish that. Uh, (laughs) The Distinguished Competition. Yeah, or, you know, just the boys on Amazon. (laughs) Yeah, um... No. I've heard the boys (laughs) is actually pretty good, but, um... It's it's quite good, but it's very adult. Oh, yeah, I can imagine. I'm Um, skipping that one, yeah. 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 I would love to tell you to watch it, but... I know you won't. Yeah. <laughs> and it's fine. I understand entirely. <laughs> so anyway, yeah, like, I don't necessarily think that uh, it would be the worst thing in the world if if Disney didn't have a monopoly on the good superhero media, you know? Um, if Sony were to retain the rights, then maybe they would... I mean, they wouldn't. But uh, maybe, Pipe Dream, they would start to focus more on you know, the unique Spider-Man property that they've got. The, with you know, the Into the Spider-Verse. I hope they make those movies forever, you know, or we get, like, a satisfying Endgame type event where it's, you know, like, I, I was talking to my brother-in-law about that. Like, we have Endgame, they nailed it, and everything from here on out is just icing on the cake because we got, you know, a really great... we're in know, the Endgame now. Yeah. Yeah. We're in we're in a we're in the end game post game. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah, and so that that's my whole take on the whole thing. Uh, Disney makes me uncomfortable as a company. As much as I like their properties, I like their properties because of all of the work that kind of went into it behind the scenes. All the people who are trying to create the best product that they can. But I also don't want everything to be from Disney because Disney. As much as I don't like agreeing with the people who are like, Disney bought Star Wars and now it sucks, because I like Star Wars now, I think, more than I ever have, except when I was a kid, when I was, like, way obsessed. Um, Disney has a way of kind of taking things and and making them a little bit homogenous. Yeah, the Iron Man story formula. Yeah, exactly. And that's fine for what it is, but I would like... A little bit more variety. I like things that are rough around the edges. I like things that aren't polished to the point where they lose almost all of their character. And so let's let people who are not as good at making movies as Disney make movies. Because Disney would have never made Into the Spider-Verse. Or not that version of it. Right. Their version would have an ironic song in the middle about how great... Uh, Spider-Ham's home dimension is, which now that I've said it out loud, doesn't sound bad at all. <laughs> Sorry, the most recent Disney movie I saw was Wreck-It Ralph 2, which I... Oh, it's... Stuck. Not a fan of the Wreck-It Ralph franchise. I didn't like the first one. I, I liked the first one just fine. The second one I did not... It was too... They tried to do too much, and they could have tightened it up and picked something better. And, and like a... You know, one aspect of that story could have been its own movie and could have been good. I don't think that Vanellope deciding to ditch the game altogether was in, fitting with her character. It just was dumb. Oh, well... Do we have any other back matter to get to? They announced 
Morbius is a playable character in Marvel Ultimate Alliance 3, exclusively <laughs> for the Switch. Is he a Switch exclusive? The game is a Switch exclusive. Well, that's right. The game is a Switch exclusive, isn't it? Yeah. So you can you know, be a vampire now. <laughs> <laughs> well done, game. Congratulations on vampirism. Did, did good video game vampire job. I, you know, I really don't have any anything else to add. Um, <sighs> See, we can't we can't just end the podcast now because we need a zinger to end on. <laughs> Aldo's just passed a kidney stone. That's a pretty good spot to cut. You don't have a soundboard just to go. I mean, I could actually. I think that's that little ditty might cost me a little bit of money. What about that? Okay, that one might actually get me in trouble. But would it though? I mean, I'm not. I'm, I'm, I'm still not sure if anyone actually listens to this. Oh, we have we have listeners. Oh well, if you do listen to this, uh, comment on this post <laughs> on Facebook and just say, "I'm listening, John." I'm listening. Or to alternatively, you, John. you can call John at the. Following no, 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 no! <laughs> hey, listen, no, it's okay. <laughs>